The Leonard Bernstein Centennial Celebration season continues into the new year with the next concert by the National Philharmonic. And we'll be celebrating Maestro Gajewski's birthday as well. Hello, I'm Marilyn Cooley, and welcome to this introduction to infamous Brahms, in which we'll be hearing two of Bernstein's favorite pieces. What's so infamous about Brahms? Well, in this case, it's not actually Brahms, nor even the first piano concerto itself. It's the famous, or infamous, concert on April 6th, 1962, with the New York Philharmonic and Leonard Bernstein conducting. The soloist was Glenn Gould. Famous because, uniquely, the conductor told the audience before the performance that he did not agree with the soloist about how the piece should be performed. You are about to hear a rather, shall we say, unorthodox performance of the Brahms D minor concerto a performance distinctly different from any I've ever heard, or even dreamt of, for that matter, in its remarkably broad tempi and its frequent departures from Brahms' dynamic indications. I cannot say I am in total agreement with Mr. Gould's conception. And this raises the interesting question, what am I doing conducting it? I'm conducting it because Mr. Gould is so valid and serious an artist that I must take seriously anything he conceives in good faith. And his conception is interesting enough so that I feel you should hear it too. In our concerts with pianist Hao Chen Zhang, presumably he and Maestro Gajewski will be more of like mind about the performances probably more so than Brahms was with himself, as the piece went through numerous transformations. It started life as a sonata for two pianos, and developed into a symphony within a few months. Eventually, over the course of more than a year, and after much consultation with musicians he trusted, the composer finally settled on the conventional three-movement piano concerto. Brahms was a first-rate pianist himself, and he was the soloist at the premiere. A forbidding, majestic orchestral opening covers a lot of territory before the pianist even plays a note. Finally, when the orchestra becomes quiet, almost four minutes into the piece, the soloist begins a process in which the piano and orchestra are sometimes in agreeable dialogue, sometimes in conflict. After the stormy opening movement, the adagio slow movement sounds like a veritable benediction, again with an extended orchestral introduction before the piano enters. In this peaceful interlude, 
there are quite a few sections in which the piano plays alone. The last movement returns to an assertive tone, and this time, the piano starts right out with a bold statement. You'd think the pianist would be exhausted by now, but in the final moments, as the orchestra sings the theme, the soloist gets to really dig in with pianistic fireworks. Brahms wrote this mature-sounding music when he was in his 20s, and in the second half of the concert, an emotional Russian, twice that age, seemed to be feeling the weight of the world. Tchaikovsky wrote no program or story associated with his Fifth Symphony, but these few words about the first movement give a sense of hopelessness. He wrote, Complete resignation before fate, murmurs, doubts, laments, reproaches. All the themes in this first movement are at least poignant, and it carries a despairing tone relieved only by a few lighter moments in which his ballet music comes to mind. The sadness seems unrelenting as the second movement begins until the beautiful theme that was later appropriated for the Glenn Miller hit Moon Love appears. It seems as if some hopefulness might be at hand. But the anger stage seems to kick in with an almost aggressive statement from the brass. We're on an emotional roller coaster here, from which we get a breather in the third movement waltz. The last movement is a statement of renewed hopefulness, ending in triumphant optimism. It's a moment to savor. Tchaikovsky's next and final symphony, number six, is almost relentlessly tragic. But there's one more thing to note, and it seems a statement of true evolution in the fifth symphony. It's the fact that the beginning and the end of this symphony are actually the same music, but transformed from hopeless to triumphant. Here's the opening of the whole symphony...
and the same tune in the finale. I'm Marilyn Cooley. Thanks for joining me for this introduction to the National Philharmonic's concert, Infamous Brahms. You can find the concert details online at nationalphilharmonic.org. And happy birthday, Maestro Gajewski! (laughs) 